Hi, Caleb. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm doing quite well, quite well. It's been a big uh, sports evening for me, so I'm very excited. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, good times. Good times. Uh, how are you? I'm doing uh, pretty well. It's uh, been a good um, good week, a little rainy as we uh, end the week and enter the new week, but oh well, can't complain. Rain's good for us, so. <laughs> I wonder how it's affecting productivity in Silicon Valley. Probably slightly negatively. Um, I would think so, yeah. Everyone's upset about it. Yeah. We're soft. We are. What are you drinking tonight? Tonight, I am drinking a conference. Oh. Um, it, oh. Is, it is from the Death & Company book, and it's got four base spirits, which is kind of crazy. Um, it's got uh, bourbon, rye, uh, Calvados, although I'm, I'm using apple brandy, and uh, cognac. So it's a boozy uh, drink. How about All you? All right. I'm drinking a paper plane. Oh, and... this is the one that you, uh, that you had told me about yesterday. Yeah, I, uh, I had this drink yesterday, and I really liked it, and so I found out what was in it, and I went to the store today and got some of the ingredients I was missing. So I was missing Aperol and um, a grape liqueur. Is so, it the, uh, the Amaro? The Amaro, yeah. Ah, excellent. Very exciting. Yeah, and so my liquor uh, table has expanded by two new additions, and I got some more bourbon, but... Uh, Kudos. It's always good to expand the bar. <laughs> yes, it is. So tonight I thought we could uh, talk a bit about the new uh, report that came out, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's report on the autopilot uh, death uh, that happened in uh, earlier this year. Um, and, last year. Sorry, yes, last year. It is now. Almost a year ago now, right? Uh, well, it was May, so okay. I guess seven months ago or so. Um and uh, yeah, so they released a, a pretty long report about it. Uh, Elon was tweeting about it. Uh, some press articles came out about some of the results. So I thought we could break it down and go a little bit deeper on it uh, for those of you who maybe didn't hear about it or, or read the actual report. Um, there was cool. definitely so some good stuff. Can you uh, start by kind of giving us the, uh, the breaking news uh, local CNN report uh, summary of it? Like what, what actually happened? Yes. Uh, so what happened uh, that caused this report was uh, in May, uh, a Model S collided with a tractor trailer and the tractor trailer was crossing an intersection on a highway, which to some people sounds weird. But uh, in Florida, there are some uh, divided highways that actually do have intersections. <laughs> Nothing's and, weird in Florida. No offense, Florida. I used to live there. Um <laughs> And so a tractor trailer was uh, crossing uh, the highway and a Model S that had autopilot enabled uh, collided with the underside of the semi-truck's uh, tractor and, uh, and the uh, driver uh, died. And so this was big news a few months back when it initially happened and, uh, and Tesla had said that the vision system um, couldn't identify the trailer well and so it didn't apply the emergency braking this was even before the uh, radar was being used as a as a meaningful part of the system and and this was also when uh, mobile sort of started distancing themselves from tesla and a few months later they actually discontinued their relationship and uh, the national highway traffic safety administration which investigates uh, the safety and roadworthiness of vehicles in the U.S. Uh, took an interest and opened an investigation uh, to check to see if there were any design flaws in the autopilot system that would warrant um, a, a statement of action or a recall even. 
So we've been waiting many months to see what the report said, and the report has recently been released. So yes, that's the maybe that's more the PBS update, not the CNN update. <laughs> Uh, no, that's good. I just wanted you to make sure you uh, reminded everyone what the uh, at least the the layperson's uh, take on it was, or maybe the uh, before we dive into the details, what the uh, sort of facts of the case are. Yeah, and I think one of the things that was floating around was um, Tesla saying that the system wasn't designed to deal with this sort of um, uh, roadway obstruction that uh, there was descriptions of it being a sunny day and why why would there be any issue? Like, you can see a truck, a human can see a truck, why wouldn't it have stopped? And so there were certainly uh, people who were criticizing Tesla uh, for the fact that this, this occurred, um, some, some concerns of the chilling effect it would have on autopilot and people's uh, willingness to accept its safety. And then there were others and folks from the scene who had reported that the driver was distracted and not paying attention and um and there were some claims that he may have even been watching a dvd or there was a dvd player in the car and, and this was also a tesla enthusiast who had actually published many videos of himself using autopilot and so the tesla community um knew of him and uh, and actually had uh you know been more concerned about whether or not he was using the system correctly or not but clearly he knew how to use the system so there was definitely some controversy around it. It, it wasn't, um, it, it really brought into question whether or not autopilot was safe um, and uh, why it didn't recognize uh, the, the truck. Um, so essentially what's happened, uh, the TLDR, is that um, the Tesla and autopilot have been cleared of any um, malfunction or problem in the design of the system by the uh, NHTSA ad administration, and uh, they have closed the case, and there is no recall, there's no advisement to Tesla to change anything, and that ultimately they are very impressed with what Tesla did, and uh, the data they gathered indicate that using autopilot and auto steer in particular actually decreases your risk of a crash as defined by a airbag deployment by 40%. Um, so Tesla granted them lots of data uh, in the inquiry. And one of the major headlines that was floating around after the report was released was that pre-autopilot being enabled, uh, the rate of crashes was 1.8 uh, per million uh, miles. And, uh, and that afterwards, it uh, had been reduced to 0.8. Um, so I'm they, sorry, 1.3 per million to 0.8 per million, um, and, and which so, is a 40% reduction. But that is, so they're not running that in parallel though, right? That, that was a before and after. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Cause that, that seems, I mean, I guess depending on how, I'm sure they have probably better statistical minds than, than mine working on it, but, um, it would seem for a more proper, uh, like split test, you'd want to have it enabled on half of vehicles and not on the other half rather than doing one after the other because you could especially as you go chronologically you could imagine uh if you have it on for six months and then uh turn it off for six months or vice versa if six of those months are in, in summer and the other six are in winter you'd get vastly different results um or you could conceivably get very different results so that's that's a little uh that's interesting 
Yeah, I think the um, the challenge obviously is that it, it wasn't uh, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration running the test. This was data that came from Tesla to them about the fleet of cars uh, of the um, range of, I think it was 2013 to 2016, that uh, the vehicles that the miles driven and accident rate or crash rate uh, before the autopilot hardware and software was in the cars and then afterwards um, to to give them some sense of how many airbag deployments occurred. And also remember that um, the safety features for autopilot are always running. And so regardless of whether or not you're using the traffic aware cruise control or the um, steering auto steer system, uh, if you are soon going to collide with a, ve a vehicle in front of you or a stationary object, uh, the safety features will enable. And also, whether or not you paid extra for autopilot, those safety features are there. So the comparison is, you know, vehicles that were pre-software and hardware of autopilot being there and then after. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so it, it's not a perfect A-B test, uh, but I don't think we'll get an A-B test because Tesla doesn't seem to be open or willing to run the data without the car is actuating for safety. Um, I think they feel a moral imperative not to have some people be in the control test where um, they, they won't get the automatic braking and all the other great safety features. Right. Um, but yeah, the thing that struck me was that 40% reduction is, uh, is pretty, pretty meaningful. Uh, and, and what was interesting was that that's across all crashes. Uh, I dug into it a lot, and, and what was important about it was, you know, this crash was primarily around would it have stopped for a vehicle in front of it. But the crash data, and after reading all the footnotes in the report, was across all of the crashes. So a side impact crash, a T-bone crash, running off the road, um, any sort of crash was included, not just uh, automatic braking. Okay, so even if you're... Um backing out of a parking spot and hit a telephone pole is it, is it low speed stuff like that too or is it just serious crashes uh it was anything that it would cause the airbag to deploy okay. so, so that would have been pole hard enough <laughs> yeah you would have had to hit it at, at enough um because they're they're triggered based on the deceleration uh rate and i don't know what the exact deceleration rate is but um yeah so you'd have you would have had to hit it uh quick enough to have stopped fast enough for the airbag to have deployed. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, that was important for me to really dig into because obviously a fender bender uh, on the highway where the airbag doesn't deploy wouldn't be captured. Um, so there's clearly another class of, of um, crashes that uh, are not covered by that 40% reduction. Um, so what was really important here was after you read the report is that you realize that how, how is NHTSA evaluating autopilot uh, to, to make the claim that there aren't design flaws. And the primary uh, component they were looking at was actually the automatic, automatic emergency braking system and benchmarking it across other vehicle types, so BMWs and Mercedes uh, and even some of the Hondas. And what they did is they went out and spoke to some of those other manufacturers and reading their manuals to understand what are the design limitations of those model year cars that were equivalent, um, sort of the 2014, 2015 time range. This is like the collision avoidance systems, like that, that sort of stuff? Yeah, the automatic emergency braking and the forward collision warning system. So okay. it typically breaks out into two sets. There's um, the forward collision warning is usually an audible or rumbling 
in the car when it thinks you might hit something in front of you, but it doesn't actually apply the brake. So it's purely information to the driver to then take action. And those are far less effective at stopping um, crashes. And then there's the automatic emergency braking, which usually is in, in companionship with the forward collision warning. And that will actually actuate the brakes uh, and stop you from hitting something. And they will also, when you, in many of the cases, when you apply the brakes, if it determines you're not applying the brakes quick enough uh, to reach a full stop before you hit the object, it will actually um, sort of superhuman push the brakes for you uh, <laughs> to, to make sure you, you stop in time. Um, so that is really what they were testing against. And, you know, those systems have now been around for uh, many years. And, uh, and so that's really what they benchmarked against, which I found interesting, I guess not surprising, but interesting because they didn't spend much time talking about this auto steer or anything like that. And so in their mind, this was really a matter of the car, should the car have been able to brake in this type of scenario and evaluating other vehicles of a similar model year, would they be able to brake? And their conclusion was that they wouldn't as well. Uh, and so they don't believe it's a design flaw because it is, seems to be a standard across all of the emergency braking systems that they could not handle this scenario. Um, so we can talk a little bit more about the scenario, um, but that's sort of how they've been judging it, uh, you know, because not many other manufacturers have this full autopilot style functionality. And a priori, it's a little bit interesting to think about how would you decide whether or not it should be at fault. I remember us talking about it, and it's a little bit tricky to really, as a regulator, say whether or not autopilot should have been able to detect this. Oh, okay. So you're, what you're saying, and let me just kind of make sure I'm understanding this, is that other similar vehicles or other vehicles have forward collision avoidance systems that if the human was driving, they wanted to tell if those systems would have been able to detect and stop this collision. And therefore, they can then surmise that since Tesla was in autopilot, if it wasn't an autopilot, would the would that system have been should that system have stopped it? Is that kind of like you're kind of there? It seems like they're trying to take the the idea that the uh, computer was driving the vehicle kind of out of the equation, and whether it was a human or a computer, would other vehicles have detected this exact scenario? Yes, uh, a little bit. I think that the the only tweak there would be that they were determining whether or not. Uh, yes, other forward collision warning and automatic emergency braking systems would have stopped in a similar scenario, first off. And then the secondary condition of in the event that they were not able to stop, the responsibility again falls to the driver and they always default to the responsibility falling to the driver. And so the question was, did it malfunction was the driver under the impression that the automatic emergency braking was happening and it failed, or did it just not work at all, like just not actuate, not happen, and that is a expected behavior and that the driver should have known that and therefore should have been able to stop it themselves. And so basically they're trying to figure out, even if the driver wasn't paying attention, yes, should, they, should the car have stopped? And in this case, it looks like the driver wasn't paying attention because one of the other things they said was that based on their examination of the crash scene, 
the driver should have had seven seconds of visibility of the tractor trailer. And so in their estimation, seven seconds was plenty of time for a human driver to notice a, uh, an oncoming vehicle. And so in their view, the driver is responsible for stopping, which was sort of a secondary out for Tesla, um, was that there was so much time for the driver that in their view, it's clear he was not watching the road and was not attentive and that autopilot in its manual, in its turning on phase, all of these things that it's the driver is told they need to be paying attention. And so because the driver wasn't paying attention and following the instructions of using this feature, he also was, uh, it also is not a design fault of, of Tesla because they can't make him watch the road. So really two components that they really dissected was the automatic emergency braking component and then the awareness and does Tesla do enough to make sure folks are paying attention and tell people they need to pay attention. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it was the, the driver was treating it more like a level four or level five system. That's what it seems like. And you know, it's tricky to talk about this. Um, certainly, uh, you don't want to, uh, obviously we, you'd want autopilot to have been able to cope with this and prevented this. And certainly that's Tesla's ambition is to, uh, reduce the likelihood of crashes. And Elon came out and said that, you know, 40% is great, but, you know, their target is 90% with the new hardware suite. And, you know, 90% of reduction of crashes would be um, a lot of lives saved and a lot of injury uh, prevented. So, you know, one of the things we can look to is what is the rate of reduction for regular automatic emergency braking systems uh, to sort of gauge is Tesla's relative improvement on themselves only due to the automatic emergency braking or are there other factors that are part of autopilot that are helping right because um, it's plausible that that 40 percent reduction is all attributable to automatic emergency braking and all cars that have automatic emergency braking would also see a 40 percent improvement does that make sense yeah yeah so I dug into that to try and understand uh, the likelihood that that's true and what the current rate of expectation is for improvement of crashes for automatic emergency braking. And what was interesting is that uh, I found multiple studies, uh, both from the IIHS, which is a highway safety uh, internal testing group here in the U.S., and then uh, a Swedish study. Um, and what was striking was that the reduction in crashes rear-end crashes was around 40% with automatic emergency braking systems that have been tested for the past five or six years. So 40% reduction in, in crashes for rear-end crashes with AEB enabled. And that was consistent across uh, over, um, uh, this was like all the crashes in the U.S., sorry, 27 states across 68,000 crashes. So quite a large data set. Um, and what they did was essentially they looked at all the cars that would have had uh, forward collision warning and AEB on based on their VIN number. And then they also looked at all the police reports that came in in these states that report them with the VIN number and the cause of the accident or the accident type and where the strike occurred to be able to identify them as rear-end crashes. Um, and then they also were able to break it down based on those that were injury, there were injuries involved or not. Uh, but anyways, the sort of net net of it was that there was around a 40% reduction. And so initially I was like, aha, 40% reduction. 
Tesla autopilot isn't actually that great. That's <laughs> what you would expect because the pre-data for the uh, NHTSA study was uh, before Tesla had automatic emergency braking because that's lumped in with autopilot. So those early cars didn't have it. So I thought I had it. Um, I was like, oh, well, it's actually just sort of what you'd expect from any car. So if I got a BMW or Tesla or uh, Mercedes or Audi or Honda with it, you'd expect the same crash reduction. But then I realized I had made a flaw. Do you, do you know what my flaw was? Can you, can uh, you guess? Well, how many, is that like the vast majority of accidents? Yeah, that was my, that was my flaw was that I had forgotten that, uh, the Tesla data was all crashes and that these 40% reduction are only based on rear end crashes. So then I had to go find out how many accidents or crashes are rear end compared to all crashes uh, on the roads. And so then that brought me to realize that there are uh, 6 million total crashes in the U.S. a year, and uh, around 28% of those are rear-end crashes. So about 1.7 million rear-end crashes. Um, so only 28% are rear-end. So that means the majority are not. So a third of that 40%, essentially, could be attributed to automatic emergency braking and the other two-thirds is coming from all the other safety features that are a part of the autopilot crash avoidance system so that was um that was new uh, and definitely this information is was not previously available uh up until now so i think that's really impressive to me that that means that the teslas are uh you know double the effectiveness, I guess, actually almost triple, triple the effectiveness of AEB alone as autopilot, which means they're, they're capturing so many other crash events and preventing them. Uh, so does that make sense? I know it was a bunch of data and uh, <laughs> walking through my, uh, my thought process on how I got to, to those stats. Yeah, no, I, I think it does. And it seems to, to mesh with what I would expect. Um, I think the, then I guess this is kind of uh, separate from this, but the whole problem with the publicity or the PR aspect of it is that anything greater than zero uh, seems like you've got some public relations to deal with. Yeah, for sure. And I think what's tricky, obviously, is that any act, any crash is uh, clearly the case where it didn't prevent the crash. And so you have the problem of not seeing the crashes that it prevented and you notice the crash where it does. And even if they achieve a 90% reduction, that's still going to be 60,000 crashes a year if, if all cars were Teslas and 90% reduction. Um, so you would still see a lot, 600,000 rather, sorry, 600,000 crashes. I mean, there'd still be a ton of crashes. So anyways, it's just like, yeah, really tricky to... Um, to have a system that is much safer, but gets so much more attention when there's an ac a crash, and uh, and really have people understand those statistics. Um, right. I think it's like people. I mean, I, I think we've talked about this in a past episode, but uh, the baseline is is not zero, even though it'll people will think it is. But the baseline is actually a really big number because there are a tremendous number of crashes and even fatalities uh, by human drivers, but that's all considered to be the status quo. Uh, so yeah, and, and there are zero robot deaths right now. So as soon as, as soon as you start putting anything in that robot death column, there's just, yeah, I, I think it's going to play into 
just human beings in general, the problem with st- statistical thinking that we have. And apparently I just have a problem saying statistical too. That's like the second or third time tonight. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that's, you know, there, a lot of folks I think know that it's around, well, at least listeners of this show know that it's around 30 to 40,000 people a year in the U.S. die uh, related to car crashes. Uh, but that number is a result of 6 million total crashes. So the, the really big stat that Tesla can track is not the number of deaths they prevent because that number would require such a huge number of miles to have a statistically significant number of reduction in deaths that the, the number that actually they could more quickly understand the impact that autopilot has is on that 6 million total crashes, right? Because it, it'll take far fewer miles to have a statistically significant impact on reducing that 6 million number than on the 35,000 number. Um, and what's really clear is that the deaths don't come from, not, from there not being a crash. So uh, you can follow through that if you reduce crashes, um, you will be, uh, in most cases, also having some impact on redu- reducing deaths. Um, and so uh, while you're getting there to actually have enough data to show that you have fewer people dying in Teslas as well, there are certainly people who are having crashes in Teslas and, and being injured. Um, you should probably so, not use the word impact there. <laughs> having yeah, an effect. Having an effect. Um, so I, I sort of, I've, I guess I, my, my sort of other, other statement and thoughts around this was that they did a lot of work to describe what Tesla does to try and keep people engaged. And they had screenshots in the report and descriptions of how when you turn on auto steer, there is a, an alert in the, in the binnacle uh, right in front of you to keep your hands <laughs> on the wheel and stay attentive. At every time you turn on your car and enable autopilot, um, you have to accept the terms of use uh, after the software updates um, that they now have these updates where you'll get locked out. If you ignore the warnings for too long, you won't be able to re-engage autopilot until you park the car, um, that they've improved the amount of alerts that they give. Uh, uh, can, even, I, yeah. can I ask you a quick question? So these sort of like EULA, uh, agree, disagree um, warnings that come up, what happens if something like if a Tesla, if Tesla downloads a software update to your car and, you know, your car works fine, you use it all the time, an update comes down automatically and then provides you, presents you with a, a do you, do you accept or not accept and you click not accept, what happens? Does it roll back to the previous version or does Tesla give you a refund on your car? Like what, what happens in the sort of no case there? Yeah, so uh, all of these features are optional and they are not only optional from uh, sort of turning, turning them on after you've accepted the EULA. So you have to accept the EULA. Um, and uh, so you, you have to install the software, but then you don't have to use these features. So you can turn off the automatic emergency braking you can turn off the forward collision warning, and you can turn off auto steer, and you could also turn off cruise control. Okay, so if you've taken, if you've accepted it, and you've been using it, and then it comes down, and one morning you're just in a bad mood, and you say, I don't want it, you would actually just lose the ability to use those features. Correct. You could just say, I'm not, yeah, I'm not But you can't actually say, I don't agree to these changes, I want to keep using it the way it was yesterday. Like, that's not an option. That's correct. The only remedy you have is to not download the software update. 
To date, you have to actively choose to download the software update or install it rather. Um, but if you go to a service center, they may install it for you. Um, but uh, I think you could ask them not to. So there are some users, uh, customers who in the last update, they reduced the um, amount of miles per hour you could go over the speed limit. And so <laughs> some of the drivers noticed it and then others were in protest not installing that update. So some people have taken to not install the updates, but that's obviously a very small percentage of the customer base. Um, but yeah, I think you bring up a good point that what's tricky is um, unlike a model year, unlike traditional cars where you buy it and it's baked, you get what you get. Uh, the Tesla, you buy it and, and uh, it will change on you. And so what you expect uh, the behaviors to be or the rules to be, you are not in control of that. And if you want to get some of the other benefits, like, uh, you know, some new equalizer setting or whatever, you have to sort of take it all. Um, so that's definitely a uh, potential consumer challenge. Um, but I think certainly Tesla's intention there is to improve the software. And I, I don't think they're currently using it as a penalization system or trying to nerf it in any way. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. It's just I, once you get into the, the legal ease of these EULA, the end user agreements and approve, disapprove, or uh, yeah, it always, the I do not accept option always seems very disingenuous. Like, I don't think, I mean, I, I guess this probably hasn't really been tested in court, but it's hard to imagine a court of law saying that, yes, in good faith, uh, like Apple really does believe that everyone who clicked agree to the 48 page uh, iTunes agreement really read through and made a considered decision about it. Yeah, and I think the the thing that they pointed out was that when you look at like the BMW manual, they talked about how uh, their forward collision warning and automatic emergency braking would not cover this case where a uh, car is moving um, perpendicular to you across the roadway. And uh, one of the reasons they, they called it out was that um, they have a trouble detecting whether or not that's on a another... Um, another road plane. So if you're on a, a elevated highway, um, whether or not, you know, it's a car above you crossing, they don't want cars to oh, false right. positively, uh, go off. Also, if you are at intersections and things, they don't want it to be sounding alarms because a car is crossing in front of you, you know, just at a four way intersection. Um, and so the sort of range that they can detect the primary use case is that it's a car in front of you moving the same direction as you, and it either stops or decelerates. Um, but sort of the idea of someone uh, coming in and cutting you off uh, or cutting into your lane um, or, or, or even someone being in front of you. So there's three cars, the lead car, the car two, and you. And then car two moves out of the way, and car one is uh, stopping. It doesn't almost all the AEBs don't handle that case either because they don't have enough time to detect the change correctly. Right. Uh, and so they, they called out a lot of these different scenarios that other manufacturers in their manuals tell you that they don't cover. But what's challenging about those guys is that, you know, it, it's not something many people test. Um, you know, most people are not going to be testing their automatic emergency braking. And, and even NHTSA says, don't wait for the car to do it. You should be braking yourself. 
And so it's, it's really difficult to make sure people understand what parameters and what situations these cars are going to perform in. And at least Tesla has their center display and also the forward-facing display right in front of you, the binnacle, to at least communicate something about the state of the vehicle and the state of what it's doing and the release notes and things. Uh, but, you know, the BMWs and Mercedes really only have that in their paper manual um, that's in the glove compartment. So <laughs> do I, we... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I do think Tesla is doing more, but it's clear it's not enough. And it's really challenging to imagine how would you how would you communicate all the scenarios to people well so that they really really comprehend and take action on those it, i think it's i think it's a really tough tough problem yeah and it seems well it seems like it's even going to get tougher as it goes on and takes over more functionality where you know as it becomes more and more competent people will become more and more trusting of it um, yeah but uh just a quick question here i and i don't think you mentioned this um but i i've been trying to pay attention uh in the particular accident that the nitsa report uh went over the the florida accident um was there any indication that the Tesla system gave any sort of uh, warning that the drivers should be taking over, or was it just uh, no warnings and it just like drove, it didn't notice it at all? Yes, they have very clear information on what happened. So the Tesla, number one, the Tesla was operated in autopilot mode at the time of the collision. So autopilot was engaged. Number two, the Automatic emergency braking system did not provide any warnings or automated braking for the collision event, so it did nothing. Okay. Uh, the driver took no braking, steering, or other actions to avoid the collision, uh, so there was no data on any of those sensors uh, during the collision. And this is the most telling component, I think. The last recorded driver action was increasing cruise control, set speed to 74 miles per hour, uh, less than two minutes prior to impact. So the last interaction with the car from the driver was about two minutes before the impact, upping the cruise control speed. Interesting. Um, so that's the component where it's pretty clear then that he wasn't steering, he wasn't hitting the brake, uh, and that even in those seven seconds where he could have seen the tractor trailer crossing, nothing was happening from his input to the car. And so it seems pretty clear that he was disengaged from the driving process and the car was not able to stop in this type of scenario, which similar automatic emergency braking systems would not have either and therefore would have required a human to intervene. And in this case, the human did not intervene and it resulted in the fatal crash. So yeah, that's the sequence of events and the data that they, they got back. Um, and I think what, you know somewhat in closing, I guess, is just that I was um, pretty surprised at how positive a tone the NHTSA report took towards Tesla, because I think this clearly could have been a way for them to be more strict around enforcing or, um, you know, let, making sure people are fully engaged. And they seem to praise the level of engagement that Tesla was doing to try and keep people engaged in the driving task. And that the overall system of autopilot, because of the overall crash reductions, um, they, they seem to feel quite good about how many crashes this new system are avoiding. Uh, and that uh, even though automatic emergency braking systems are rolling out to like 99% of new cars by 2020, 
um, that uh, they are not designed for all cases, and uh, that's okay. Um, they are still going to save a lot of lives. Um, and yeah, so, it seems like they definitely have the the global view uh, in mind with the total number of accidents and fatalities. Yeah, they they are an agency that is thinking about the overall safety of the roadways and the uh, sort of reasonable things that companies can do to improve safety and ensuring that there wasn't a design fault where if the system was going to detect a car and it ran into the car instead of braking, for instance, that would have been a case where they, they clearly would have had a different sort of, of concern or that an airbag is supposed to deploy when the uh, motion unit detects this amount of deceleration. That's what the spec says. That's what the manufacturer says. And in our tests, that didn't happen, right? Those sorts of things would cause them to have issued a recall or something like that. Um, but in this case, none of those, none of those sorts of scenarios occurred. Um, so I think it just sort of brings up the broader point and challenge of with these really um, integrated active safety systems that are going to be lumped into sort of pilot assist or traffic jam assist or, you know, pick your favorite brand names, naming convention for all of these safety features that when something goes wrong and a fatality happens and there's enough public interest to investigate, um, we're going we're gonna to get more of these uh, reports, I think. And uh, be, just because there's so many new interplays going on that the public is really going to want to know, is it safe? And uh, they're going to rely on these agencies to, to do, the, do the real deep work and work with the companies to get to the bottom of the, of the matter. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting, though, how maybe even the having to go through the formality of these investigations kind of even makes them seem more important. Uh, like there's almost sort of a, you're having the opposite effect, I guess, similar because the only time we ever hear about stuff like this is usually like airplane crashes mm -hmm. uh, when the, the, uh, airline agency, I'm losing uh, what, what NTSB NTSB. Yeah. When they do the, uh, investigations of crashes, uh, yeah, that's, that's ge our general experience with that. Um, I guess usually cause those, those involve fatalities probably at a much higher percentage. Yeah, and uh, one of the other things that was interesting was uh, apparently they said only about half of the act of the crashes reviewed by them uh, were highway, um, and so the others occurred in environments not appropriate for semi-autonomous driving, city traffic, highway entrances, construction zones, heavy rain, road junctions, intersections. So they're they're not implying that people were using autopilot in those cases, just that. Uh, there are also lots of cases where the Teslas were crashing where the person may not have even been able to use autopilot, um, which I think is sort of where Tesla believes that they could make further improvements. Um, you know, how do you go from a 40% improvement from your baseline car with no active safety features to a 90% reduction? Uh, you have to be worrying about all these other scenarios where crashes occur. Um, and, you know, we sort of got a look into the fact that Tesla's half of the Tesla crashes uh, occur not on highways. So to, to really get to that level, you have to be dealing with the systems working in these more corner case scenarios of entering a highway or a construction zone or uh, these other scenarios where they typically are not, uh, the computer is not in control. So that'll be really interesting and fascinating to watch over time is as those 
new scenarios and new driving systems come into place for Tesla, uh, that they allow autopilot to be used in more places, uh, how, how crash rates go down and what Tesla says about those publicly and what they report. Um, because they've said they are willing to share this data publicly, and this is sort of one of the first ways indirectly we've gotten some of the data. Um, and I think they would be in a really difficult spot if they were to lie about this data to this agency. So I think we have to assume they, in good faith, shared the correct data around crashes and miles. Um, so I'm, I'm inclined to believe that these crash rates that they're reporting are as accurate as, as both of them can know. Um, so it's sort of the first time we get that info. Right, right. That's good. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, overall safety is improving, and it's just about being clear about the messaging. Yep. Cool. Well, if anyone has any more thoughts or questions about the, uh, the accident and crash that occurred uh, or concerns around safety or questions about what Tesla's doing with safety, um, where can people let us know, Mike? Yeah, as always, you can uh, tweet us at The Tesla Show. Uh, you can hit up our website at theteslashow.com. Or if you are a Redditor, you can hit up our subreddit at r slash the Tesla show. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you soon, Mike. All right. Bye.